Welcome to On Texas Football. I'm Bobby Burton, your host, joined today by Ian Boyd, resident expert, X's and O's for InsideTexas.com. Uh, get his news and notes each and every day on InsideTexas.com. Uh, Ian, you and I talked a little bit about what we wanted to, to tell folks about or speak about today and discuss uh, prior to this, and we came up with a couple of things. One, we want to go over some of those glossary terms uh, that you talked about on defense, but first, I think that we really need to get into uh, given the fact that fall camp starts on Wednesday, essentially, Steve Sarkeesian meets with the media on Tuesday. It's it's fall camp. And what do they need to accomplish? I spoke with Eric Nalin about it. I've thought about it. Uh, we've talked about it. But really, you came across, whether it was Quinn Ewers uh, or third down defense, run blocking, replacing Bijan and uh, guys like Overshone, you came down and tried to boil it down to three things that you really want to see them accomplish this fall camp. Let's go start with your first one. Yeah. Number one, not necessarily by priority, but maybe just the least sexy is they need to settle the middle of their offensive line. Um, they need to make sure that if nothing else, this is an offensive line that doesn't give up negative plays in the run game or the pass game doesn't miss a lot of assignments, doesn't lose track of star defensive tackles when and where they show up on the schedule. Um, they need a decently high floor of competency there. And as we know, they have a number of different ways that it could shake out. They have veteran Jake Majors who might be pushed by Cole Hudson or you know, maybe Connor Robertson if he had an amazing fall. I don't think any of us really expect that, but and then at right guard, they have Cole Hudson back as a sophomore, and they have DJ Campbell as a sophomore as well, who's maybe a little more talented than Hudson, but has not yet mastered the position at a at a floor setting college level. And then I guess you know Hayden Connor too. We don't know exactly what they'll have from him. He was probably not the strongest link last year, but he's only now an upperclassman. So three. Three question marks, basically, not like three deep concerns, but this is definitely where, you know, this is this is the floor for the team this year. I, I think this is interesting. You, you make the point. I mean, it's settling the middle. I mean, this is you have three spots that one of them looks like it's pinned down for sure with Jake Majors, but there could be permutations around that. Um, and so I, I think it's a fair question. Then you bring in guys like Neto Miozulu. Cam Williams into the mix, and you really, you know, there's a lot of things that, that could be thought about here uh, as it relates to the offensive line. All right, what was the second thing that you really felt like was important? Second that, one that they is, figure out this fall. Yeah, they need to – well, they, they probably need to have already done this, but for sure within the first week or two, they really need to have identified their top pass rushers. Um, first couple of weeks, you know, is basic install, fundamentals, Welcome freshmen to what real football is all about, right? And then from there, they need to start building the team to win the games on the schedule. And by the time they get to that, build this team to, to win the Big 12 championship period of fall camp, they need to know exactly who the star pass rushers on this team are because there's a few different options in each guy, the, re the way the rest of the defense shapes up and the sorts of packages they run and sorts of call plays they call is going to vary wildly. Like, if Ethan Burke wins the starting buck position and him and Baron Sorrell are both good pass rushers, 
it's all pretty simple. You're basically going to be a four-down nickel team that relies on your edges to get your pass rush. If it's Anthony Hill, then that's different. Is it Anthony Hill as a third-down player, or is it Anthony Hill as a uh, as a starting inside linebacker that just blitzes a lot, like uh, Paul was talking about on the show yesterday? Um, if that's the answer, the defense looks a lot different because now you need to build the whole defense around accommodating having a, a, a attack-oriented role for um, Anthony Hill. Then if it's the defensive tackles, I actually I haven't thought that much about what that looks like. But again, it, it changes the structure of the defense. So they really need to they really need to nail that down so that their coverages and everything that they play to feature those pass rushers are really in sync. All right, it's interesting uh, speaking with Ian Boyd of Inside Texas. What was the third day third thing that you came up with that you really wanted to uh, Texas to answer the bell on this coming fall for fall training camp? So I think general passing game is an obvious point, but um, I think passing downs pass game is a particular area where Texas really, they have such a high ceiling that's possible here if they can really nail it down. By passing down pass game, I mean second and eight, third and six, only five or six guys in protection, the quarterback's dropping back and he's reading the field and going through one, two, three progressions. So not play action shots, not quick game throws, not RPOs, but real NFL style drop back. Um, all the other stuff they need to get better at than last year, but they probably will. They have an amazingly high ceiling that directly correlates to how good they get at drop back passing. If, uh, if the viewers remember in 2008, Texas was completely dominant at this to the point where second and eight was no big deal at all for that team. Like they took Colt McCoy more than two times out of three, almost, I think more than three times out of four, he was going to drop back and he was going to find Cosby or Shipley or somebody else. And they were going to get it like at least five or six yards. Um, I think that's too high to aim for, I think this season, but they could be really good because they have the ultimate cheat code and drop back passing, which is a, NFL caliber tight end in Jatavian Sanders. That guy makes everything easy because he's a terrific route runner who's running in areas of the field where college defenses are not great at covering. He's running against linebackers. He's running against safeties. It really exposes a, a weak spot for college defenses. And then surrounding him is fifth-year Jordan Whittington, NFL outside guys, etc. So this is a really big point. If Texas is really can really make a huge leap in passing down pass game, they, I mean, we're talking playoffs. If they were elite here, we're talking national championship. I'm not trying to, I'm not trying to give that expectation. I'm just saying if they really made an, an outstanding, unbelievable leap in this dimension of offense, that the ceiling is national championship because that stuff is impossible to defend in college. Interesting. Uh, speaking with Ian Boyd, and that's one of the reasons why I always go back to Quinn Ewers. The one thing you want to see in, in fall camp for me is the improvement year over year of consistency from Quinn Ewers. Can he make the easy throw like he can the difficult throw? You know, you don't want to just see tantalizing talent. You want to see consistent talent, right? And that's that passing game is part of that. 
a big piece of that for me. All right, make sure you guys check out Ian's work on InsideTexas.com. We have an absolute steal right now uh, for a subscription to InsideTexas.com. Uh, Ian, uh, let's talk a little bit about some of the things you wrote earlier the week in the week as well. It, it's what I get asked almost all the time when I talk to you. Can Ian explain what he means by different vernacular? Th this is the one that I get asked most about. What is the Buck defensive end versus the Jack defensive end? Give give a give everybody a you know 30, 45 second answer about exactly what that is and what's required of that position versus the one versus the other. You know what? I'm gonna have to answer another of the common questions first, which is field versus boundary. And then that'll explain Jack versus Buck. Okay. On on the college football field, you have the hash marks, the little white lines that go across the field that measure the yardage. On a college football field, the hash marks are really wide apart. In the NFL, they're really narrow. And where this matters is because the officials never line the ball up outside the hash marks. So if the ball goes outside, they put it, they line it up for the next snap on the whatever hash mark was nearest where the ball went down. Why this matters is that because on most plays in college football, you have one side of the center is two-thirds of the field. And the other side of the center is only one third of the field. So you have this large discrepancy where if you line up on this side, you have all this wide open space. If you line up on this side, you have a lot less space. Defenses in college routinely align their players based on field versus boundary. They have players that they always align in the wider spaces, and then they have players that they always align in the shorter spaces. The jack edge player always aligns to the wide side of the field. The buck, it's like B for boundary, it doesn't work for Jack, but B for boundary for buck always aligns to the boundary short side of the field. Where this matters is that the Jack really needs to be a good run defender. It's really more of like a strong side end type position for Texas. Because if the Jack is really good at setting the edge, it makes it hard for the offense to run the ball and get their running back out into those wide spaces where you can do damage. If you have a smaller, weaker end there, then you potentially you know, expose yourself to the risk of the other team running the ball out into space and shooting you up. The buck, so then, but teams like to have a smaller pass rushing specialist kind of guy. The Texas plays that guy at buck. The Edge setting against the run doesn't matter quite as much because the rest of the defense can get there faster to help. There's less space to cover to get there. That's probably so, what in, so in this in this scenario, just to clear clarify so people have a sense, Baron Sorrell is the yes. jack. He's the time. jack. Yeah. Okay. So he's oh. the run stopper, even though he had the most sacks last year, I think. Yeah. Um, and then the buck is the weak side, which was Ovia Gufu this year. And we think at least heading into fall camp, that's Ethan Burke this year. You, yeah. You, is that what you're saying? Yeah. Or alternatively, that's where Colin Simmons is destined to play. You want him there. You don't want him to have to worry so much about setting the edge. He could probably do about anything, but you want him on the, in the role where it's all about pass rush, right? So you have the, the weak side, short side of the field end. Doesn't have to be as good in run support. He's got a strong safety that's pretty close, probably where Jalen Catalan will play. Um, 
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. And then he's he's generally like a, a high, he's a little more of a hybrid than the Jack. He's more likely to drop into coverage from time to time. He's blitzing off the weak side edge. Um, he's stunting inside and looking for gaps to rush through. So it's uh, they call it a two four five. Both positions are technically hybrids, but the Jack is more of a strong side end. Always aligns to the wide side of the field. Buck is more your weak side traditional weak side end. And lines to the short side of the field. Jack, if for those who want to know, Jack is Baron Sorrell, and the, then Ethan Burke is the Buck. That, that's that's how I think a lot of people are going to remember that uh, because they want to see him on the field. And the the uh, Jack lines up to the wide side of the field. Uh, it's very interesting. That's also where they normally put the tight end. By the way, uh, just to to give you pe- people a, a sense of why, or one of the reasons why that 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 side. It needs a stronger player uh, as well uh, to, to play against the run. All right, you you touched on this, okay? Kwiatkowski is known for running a 2-4-5, not a 4-2-5. But really, Ethan Burke and Baron Sorrell are defensive ends. They're really, It's really a 4-2-5, but we call it a 2-4-5. That's because sometimes they line up with their hands up. I mean, what, what's the purpose of that for uh, Pete Kwiatkowski? I mean, partly it's branding. You know, if you say you run a two-four-five with two edges, then it's like, hey, if you come play end for Texas or Pekwikowski, we're going to develop you as a hybrid edge. You know, and those are the guys that go like in the first round, right? Um, there are some differences though between like a two-four-five and a four-two-five. Gary Patterson ran a four-two-five. A big distinction, and he used smaller guys often at end for whatever reason, maybe because that's what he had. I don't know, but. Um, Gary Patterson did not drop his ends into coverage, hardly ever. Pete Kwiatkowski, more at Washington. We'll see what he gets up to at Texas with time. He would play guys on, on those edge positions that would routinely drop back as linebackers. So they'd call it a 2-4-5 because they really would cross-train those guys where they were routinely, they'd bring extra guys off one side and drop an edge off the other or vice versa, or they'd, They'd loop the edges and let them stand up and hunt for gaps and do all kinds of different things to rush the passer. They would play them wider more consistently and ask both inside defensive tackles to be more like big space-eating nose tackles um, to accommodate playing fast, disruptive guys on the edge. So it's a very nuanced distinction. If you want to call it a 4-2-5, you can do that. It's, It's not that different. But technically, the way Pete Kwiatkowski does it, 
is supposed to emphasize having two true hybrid edges that are aligned wide and containing the ball in the perimeter. But they are very nuanced differentiations, differentiations between them and your traditional four down defensive ends. And I just want to go over this one too, because I, I think this is what's a field corner versus a boundary corner. The boundary corner typically plays in less space. That is Ryan Watts, who kind of uses his physicality to help set the edge a little bit sometimes against the run. Does not he typically has help over the top uh, with a, with a cornerback as well. The field was Deshaun Jamison a year ago. You want to know why Deshaun Jamison was seven yards off? Because he had a lot of ground to cover. If he gets beat off the line of scrimmage, all of a sudden the guy's running, uh, running without much help. So I, I think there's a little bit of that that I think everybody needs to understand. And that goes directly to your point about the uh, Jack defensive end being the wide side or the, the boundary side and the buck being the short side as well. All right, uh, Ina, that, that's going to do it for most of today. I, I do want to ask you a couple other thoughts uh, kind of before we get going here. Um, I've looked at it. You've looked at it. Fall camp starts on Wednesday. Uh, your thoughts on where Texas is going into the Big 12 this year and what you think they should be able to accomplish? I think they're definitely the clear favorite. Um, I don't really think that there's a close number two team just on paper. You know, we, you know, you might enter fall and then it turns out Aranda fixed things at Baylor and Baylor's really good all of a sudden. All of Mike Gundy's adaptations at Oklahoma State are all panning out, panning out. Sonny Dykes has done it again. Chandler, Chandler Morris is going to guide a, a new look TCU offense. The Big 12 is like that every year. It's really hard to tell. You know, like we didn't know TCU was going to be that good last year. I think you were higher on TCU than most, and I really don't think even you thought that they were going to do what they did last year. <laughs> no, I, I thought they were. I, I, so, look, I mean, my take on it is, is TCU has been more talented than what they've produced for most of the last decade themselves because they were one of the top two or three most talented teams in the conference every year. Yep, that's right. Dykes yeah. really put it together fast. So I, I, that caveat aside, I think Texas is an overwhelming favorite. Um, I think their floor is contending for the Big 12 championship and playing in the Big 12 championship game. Their ceiling, I'm not really that worried about right now, but I think their ceiling is to go to the playoffs. Uh, I don't know if they're quite ready for that or not, but it doesn't really matter. They, they really want, you know, they want the bookend. They want to say, Texas Longhorns were the alpha and omega of the Big 12. They won the first championship. They won the last championship. Farewell, suckers, you know. Yeah, that's that's the goal for the season. It's 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 hard not for the program, I think, to be tunnel-visioned about that right now. All right. All right. That's Ian Boyd, X's and O's expert of Inside Texas. Ian, thanks for your time on this Sunday. Uh, best of luck to you, and have a good have a rest of your good weekend, okay, ma'am? Thanks, Bobby. All right, after we get through this, We'll have uh, some football season to start talking about next weekend. For Ian Boyd, I'm Bobby Burton. And that's been this episode of On Texas Football.